really. <laughs> can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I can. I can feel it all the way down in my plums, getting all swollen with a light blue hue to them, fresh and juicy, ready for the picking. Coming to you live from the Outsider Studios, somewhere in the big mitten. It's the co and bro opinion show. Now here are your hosts, Corey Tiez and the Outsider, Scotty Williams. Welcome to the Cohen Pro Opinion Show, and finally, I have all of my favorite people in the same studio after a week of, week and a half of not seeing you guys. So glad that you guys are here. It makes it easier to talk to. I mean, don't get me wrong, me and Charlie had a great conversation yesterday, but uh, I'll tell you, uh, I missed you guys talking. I missed you too, Scott. Yeah, yeah I appreciate I missed you, Corey. Yeah, we missed you. And you haven't seen the studio. We you I mean, you, you, you yeah, like John, you like yeah. uh, you like what I've put up on the wall. Uh, <laughs> this come is on mo- now. most of it. Most of it. <laughs> I mean, what? Charlie, Charlie is Charlie Crabb is on, and we're going to be talking some some interesting stuff today. But uh, Charlie, you got to come in with uh, when you when you're when you're feeling better. Come on in. I, I got some memorabilia up on the on the wall here in the studio. The guys don't like my Matt Stafford picture because it's, uh, it's it's not memorabilia. It's a it's a shrine. Oh my god! We got a Super Bowl quarterback up on the wall. Uh, I got you know the '84 Tigers uh, up here on here. So I mean, hey. I mean, it is memorable. I got I got Ernie Harwell over here and Paul Carey. Love that. Yeah. How much did that Stafford picture set you back, Scott? Uh, I think probably maybe thirty bucks. Did you send it to him to have him like spray his cologne on it? No, or something? I didn't so. do that. And uh, I was hoping, you know, maybe Kelly company? would have seen it. Uh, I'm when sure. I take some pictures of the room here, maybe I'll hear some comments. There maybe you I can get on you, Kelly you. Stafford's podcast. Wow. <laughs> Why not a Cooper Cup? <laughs> These guys don't guy. like Matt Stafford, even though Dave oh, I, is a huge season ticket lion season ticket holder. <laughs> so you guys, all you guys, all Ernie Ernie Harwell fans, you guys all. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Ernie so Harwell, Paul Carey. I've got a book autographed by Ernie, a baseball, a picture of him signing the book. And um, I got to I got to serve as his uh, security officer for a book signing one time, and I got to sit next to him for about three hours and talk to him. So it was, uh, you know, a real highlight, a real highlight. It just ha- it just happened that way. I didn't plan on going doing that. And when I got to where I was going, they said, "Hey, we got this guy. We we want you to. Would you mind sitting with him? Won't be any problem." Wow. And I said, yeah, I'll do it. I said, who is it? And they said, Ernie Harwell. And I says, absolutely, I'll do it. You know, <laughs> great guy. Yeah, he really, all, he, that you, yeah, he's, all that he's put up to be. Yeah, I have, uh, when I was when I was doing a lot of the national anthem stuff down at the, at the, at the Tigers games, um, I had sent a couple things up to Ernie, and uh, he's always kind of given me a shout out 
used to give me a shout out after I would sing the anthem and stuff. It was kind of cool because you you know I'd leave right after the anthem and hear it on the radio. So it was it was it was cool. It was cool. Yeah, yeah, great guy, great guy. You're fortunate that we had him in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean we've been yeah. we've been lucky. Yeah. We've had some really good announcers in Detroit. Yeah, I mean uh, from uh, Blaha uh, to um, uh, you know. Uh, Frank Beckman, who's who's yeah. passed, great uh, to me, probably one of my favorite play-by-play football guys. Bruce Martin. Bruce Martin, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bruce yeah. Martin, yeah, yeah. George George Blaha. I've always said, yeah, I I'm not a I'm, I follow Michigan football, but I love George Blaha, and I've always said you could turn on a Michigan State football game, and they could be up by thirty or down by thirty, and you would never know it by his voice. He's yeah. always got the same level of enthusiasm, you know. You have to wait for the score. He's just a, a real professional, you know. And the crazy thing about that, I didn't know he did that. I didn't know he was a state. Oh yeah, this is crazy. I, yeah, I, I knew. You didn't no, know he did the I knew. State? I knew Pistons. I did, and I don't listen to state on the radio. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? I did. I just had yeah. no idea. Right. I yeah, knew. he does Michigan State football play by play. Wow. Um, I'm not really sure. I don't. I don't know if he went, I don't think he went to school there. I think he got his master's degree or something. I, I read one time at Notre Dame, but hmm. he's a, he's a Spartan through and through, but he right. does, he just does a great, he just yeah, does he a does. great job. Frank Beckman was another one yep. and mm-hmm. like Bruce Martin. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, back in the days when um, the Tigers had uh, George Kell did the games, you oh, know, yeah. we, these, these were just great, great announcers. And even, Today, Dan Dickerson does does just a great job on oh, the yeah. radio. Yeah. Awesome. So, you know, when I was you know. a, when I was a kid, because I'm in my mid 40s, and I grew up watching the Tigers on Channel Four, like a lot of people did back then. Uh-huh. Right? And when I was a boy, my dad took me to a baseball card show, and I got to meet Al Kaline. And I thought I was meeting the color commentator, the announcer. I didn't realize who Al Kaline the baseball player was, I always thought of Al Kaline as the sidekick to George Kell on channel four growing up. Right. I didn't even realize who Al Kaline, oh, yeah. Kaline's, the ball player was. You know, Kaline is my, uh, was my childhood hero uh, in baseball. Hmm. And uh, uh, several years ago, uh, you know, it was two years, several years ago, I went, to, my wife and I went to her cousin's wedding. And my wife and I always play this game and it's called half so-and-so because the person kind of resembles somebody, you know, somebody famous. And we sat down in the pew and uh, a old couple, older couple came in and sat in front of us. And my wife leaned over and said, half Bill Bonds. Remember Bill Bonds? Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. She goes, half Bill Bonds. Classic. So I peeked around and I leaned over and goes, no, that's all Bill Bonds. <laughs> and uh <laughs> And it was Bill Bonds and his wife. And then as as the uh, wedding ended, you know, you turn and you go to the center aisle, you know, each row does. And then you kind of go out and they proceed out. Mm-hmm. So when I got to the aisle, I looked across. It was Al Kaline. Wow. Was standing there and his wife. And I, I was, I mean, my, draw, my jaw dropped. So we went to the reception, which um, was at the... Um, the country club there, the one that just caught on fire. Uh, uh, oh, Oakland Hills. Oakland Hills. Oakland, yeah. Oakland Hills. It was there, and he was there, and he and his wife went out to sign the book. And I had we'd already signed the book, and I made my wife go out with me and stand in line behind him. And she says, you should go talk to him. I could not. I mean, I've met 
I met a president. I've talked to a lot of people. I couldn't bring myself to talk to him. I was so awestruck. We were talking to her cousin later who got married, and I mentioned this to her. She goes, my dad's been his attorney for like 30 years. You should have said something. He's a really nice man, you know. I goes, I was just awestruck, and um, it was, it was, it was just funny. When I got to the end of the aisle, I looked up, and there was Al Kaline, you know. <laughs> and uh, he's just my my childhood hero. I, I I don't really I don't really if I see famous people out, you bump in, you know, you see him somewhere. I, I don't really say anything to him, you know. I've only done that one or two times. I've actually said something to somebody, but. Um, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I was too awestruck. So, yeah. Wow. That's cool. That, the stories Charlie can tell. But Charlie. Well, is, you, you live a long time. That's you tell right, stories. <laughs> that, that, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. But Charlie, we brought Charlie on because uh, we've been we've been kind of hyping this up for the last couple of weeks, and uh, one thing or another happened. But. Um, <clears throat> 198 mass shootings in the 19 weeks into 2022. Uh, man, I think this world's going crazy, man. What do you, I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, I mean, it's just it's it's it seems like there's something popping off every week. It, it, it it's like, and we and we and we've talked about it before. Just how everybody seems to be angry, and but I mean, it's reaching these levels are are going higher and higher and higher well i think when we were going to bring charlie on before correct me if i'm wrong that was right after the incident in grand rapids yes yes to talk about that and then since then we've had what happened in buffalo over the weekend there was another shooting out on the west coast at a church at a church and come to find out i was reading on that um basically it was at a taiwanese Presbyterian Church, and basically, he, it was a guy that came from Vegas there, and I from from what this article said, um, he just he was Chinese and he had an issue with Taiwanese people. I mean, so you're not seeing it's not just black on white or or different things like that. You're seeing this all over the place. What do you think, Charlie? Yeah, I you know. There are the obviously these these things that just seem to be gaining you know speed in, in terms of occurrence. Um, I you brought up a good point when you talk about people, the violence and the anger. You know, just drive. You you guys all drive. You know, you you know what it's like to be on the road nowadays. You know, and people being so aggressive. I think that's part of it, and I I I think probably some of it some of it is due to. The, the, the pandemic and the lockdown and mental health issues. And I think the other thing to me is um, our culture is one of confrontation and hatred. I mean, po- politically, um, we're, we're so divided now that, and it, it's taken on a violent tone, a very adversarial tone. And there's, I can tell you, you know, from my own experience in, in, in police work is, you know, most people can handle that. Mm-hmm. They can deal with their emotions. But there, you know, there's over what 340 million people in America. There's a lot of people here whose mental state is such that they have a hard time separating and, and realizing that, that this is just politics or, or whatever. 
and and they feel it's a call to action for them and and you know i i I could I think there's a multitude of things that contribute to it and it, it's just it's just horrible and, and it seems every time we have one we go to the um, the gun control issue it's guns and I am not I, although I believe in the right to bear arms I'm not unreasonable but I believe there's a lot of things we can do to control that better but you're you're still not addressing what is the underlying problem that's causing people to behave this way and to do these crazy things right you know what 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 is appealing to them what's what's going on and why is there you know we've had guns in america forever uh, mass shootings are a relatively recent um development in our history um what's causing people to do this i i just don't know i don't know what the answer is i know that when I was still actively involved in law enforcement, it was something we talked about and prepared for every day. Every day we talked, I mean, we had operational plans and all it was talked about and we were always on guard for the slightest little hint that something may be afoot, you know? So I don't know what the answer is. I know there's a lot of hatred out there, that's for sure, which is, you know, what, what I think is driving all this and it's a lot of hatred yeah charlie it's the inter the interesting wrinkle with this shooting in buffalo because we talk about how do we control guns but now you have someone who comes in who's wearing like body armor that you so i understand that our i I understand I our constitution. It's illegal to possess it. So, well, that's what I was going to say. I know our, our, our constitution protects the right to bear arms, but now we have people. How, how is this stuff even accessible to the average everyday citizen? Why do they need this? And why is it accessible to someone well, that they can go and wear that and go do what that person did over the weekend? They, they don't need it. Um, that's for sure. But I, you know, I believe possession of body armor is a, uh, a, a crime in the state of Michigan, if you're, unless you're law enforcement. Um, but, you know, we have the world's greatest marketplace. We have the Internet. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, people get their hands on these things, or whether they steal them or, you know, they're recycled from some other, you know, we, uh, when I was in police work, we, when we recycled our vest, we did not. Uh, we destroyed them. We had them destroyed. Mm. Um, but, you know, I'm not sure everybody does that. But, yeah, he does. You don't need you, you certainly don't need that kind of body armor. And, um, you know, and, you know, the weapon, you know, I mean, I, I understand the, the, the guy in Buffalo had altered the weapon in some way. So it had a, uh, a larger capacity magazine would handle a larger capacity magazine. I'm sure he just went on the internet and yeah. looked it up, you know, how to do it. Body armor. I got a question. Can you buy, like, I used to hear that you could buy a vest, a civilian could buy a vest for $600 back in the day. I'm sure the price probably yeah. is that. Well, yeah, the price is a little higher now. Yeah. I, I, you know, my experience with them was is they only sold them to law enforcement. That was what I, I think there's still a statute on, um, on the books about possession of body yeah. armor by non-law enforcement in, in uh, 
in the state of Michigan, but that that may not be in every state. Yeah, because you see, um, I see like you see these kids on videos, and they they're strapped up. They have bulletproof vests. I mean, it's just to to just piggyback what you said in, in regards to the internet. You see all this stuff on the internet. Um, yeah, I, I I in my opinion, I I'm not gonna just blame uh, everything on mental health. I think like people are getting. Um, okay with doing these bad things and this is just my opinion mm-hmm. since the capital since the capital uprising since, yeah. since that it, things have just been kind of just freelanced here we go uh, weak minded ignorant weak minded hateful individuals copycatting just doing uh, these horrible horrible crimes um you know, it's it's just unthinkable uh, to be in a grocery store and someone just comes in and just starts shooting. But I think, you know, that the whole thing that happened in January, it was it just it just opened the floodgates. And yeah, to, I, I think that yeah. I think you're right. I think that was the um, that's the like, for lack of a better term, that's like the poster child of uprisings. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's not the only one. You know, we went through um, we went through the whole thing in 2020 that really started as the you know, uh, as a result of George Floyd, but really became something right. other than that. Right. You know, when they were attacking federal courthouses and so on and so forth, smaller groups of people, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, um, the same kind of behaviors. And um, it. it, it, it those things just show how polarized we are and the willingness to believe conspiracy theories, you know? Uh, And then, and then, you know, when you think about the number of people in the United States and you think about the number of people that vote in an election, the number of people, it's a very small percentage that participated in that thing on January 6th. However, small percentage of America is a lot of people, you know? And, uh, and so, yeah, and, and you know, it, it's just, you know, it's, you know, there a few years ago, we had the guy that showed up when the Congress, the congressmen were practicing baseball and, and opened up on him. Remember that on oh, the yeah. baseball field? Yeah, I didn't watch You it, know, yeah. it's, it's just like, you know, there's just so much uh, vitriol out there and, and dislike, mm-hmm. and we don't talk anymore. We, we nope. yell and we take we have talking points and positions and um, it's really, it's really gotten, I think it's just contributed to the overall environment. Talk about video games and kids. Yeah. I mean, we just, you know, you kind of desensitize them, you know, they're just, they just, you know, you know, it's, it's crazy, but I, 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 I think in some ways they think that life is nothing more than a big video game or a music video, you know, and uh, playing it out, it's it's a huge problem. I'm not sure that um, gun control is going to answer their problems. No. My position has always been this. If someone is, it's against the law to kill people, right? right? If you're caught, you're going to prison for the rest of your life. But yet people kill people. Right. So if you make guns illegal, do you think that's going to stop people from having guns? Absolutely not. If no. they're willing to kill somebody, right. who's going to, you know, and if they start 
taking away guns from people that owned them legally, do you think the people that own them illegally are going to come and turn them in? Right. You know, they already broke the law once, you know, to have the gun, you know, it's, it, it, it's kind of like the genies out of the bottle on the gun thing. And they just got to figure a way to get a, get, get a better handle on it, which, you know, um, I, I was mentioned to Scotty yesterday. Um, we were just talking the public perception of what the police are capable of doing and what they know and what they're really capable of doing and what they know are two entirely different things. You look at TV and they sit down at a computer and they bring up everything on somebody in a matter of seconds, right? Mm -hmm. DNA, they get some DNA and six hours later they got a match, right? Mm -hmm. That's not reality. Um, this this guy in, in Buffalo, I read that he had a an in, a mental health issue or a threats issue that attracted law enforcement. Mm. All right. I'd read that. Now, I don't know if he bought those weapons himself or if somebody else bought them and he took them. But um, outside the jurisdiction that had that contact with him, nobody else knew about it. We don't. We have no form of communications between jurisdictions. In certain areas, like where we live in this area, we have a, a well-developed information sharing system. But but that's that's a that's an anomaly in America. We don't share information. So, for instance, if you lived in Missouri and you um, threatened all, you threatened to kill people. And, you know, you did all kind you got committed, you know, because you were homicidal, suicidal or suicidal. And, you know, maybe you committed a couple crimes, but you didn't get arrested because nobody would prosecute you. And you moved to Michigan. We don't have any idea that you did all that stuff. Hmm. The only way we would know is if you've been arrested. If you get arrested, it goes into a database, anything short of that. And it's the ones that are short of that that are the real indicators, right? It's not just arrest, it's it's behaviors that people display. Can that change? And I mean, can well, that, yeah, can, we, can, since 9-11, like shouldn't, like, I mean, things change. Like people are making different, um, <clears throat> taking different um, safety, uh, putting, you know, more safety things in place. Can that change? Could, shouldn't that change? Like everybody should I, know, every police like I, I, organization I, should I know? I agree, I think so. And, Technology exists to to enable that. Um, there are ways to do it. However, there just doesn't seem to be the political support to, to finance it because it's going to cost a lot of money. Sure. And and then the politics of you know Big Brother watching you, which you know I'm a conservative fella to a degree, mm -hmm. yeah, but I'm not crazy. Okay, we need to monitor. Some people need to be monitored. OK, they're they're a danger to themselves and or others, you know, and, um, you know, but there doesn't seem but technology certainly exists to accomplish that. All right. Um, I was surprised um, saying that is reading in that article about that uh, guy in Buffalo. He they were saying that he had posted some things previously on social media uh, about what he was going to do. I don't know if that is true or not. Uh, that's what I read. And it's funny, like, 
the way things are with with uh, social media now, like say Instagram or anything else like that, you could be talking about something to your wife or your friend, and the next thing you know, you're getting an advertisement for that uh, on your phone. Right. Why? It's funny to me, like when people would make. I mean, I know probably the, the, everybody. You, they, the law enforcement probably gets a million threats throughout the United States a day, and then you you almost have to dwindle them down to what's legitimate or not but you would think that you know they would have looked into this or something you know well comes yeah i think it, social media you know you know platforms can detect when you post something that they feel is disinformation you know be it you know vac- vaccine related or conspiracy related and they 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 ban them I mean, we see that in the papers all the time, you know, people got shut down on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook because they posted something and they were able to detect that and they do it very well. I could say this, if you tried to post something on on social media that invite it or YouTube that violated some copyright law, they'll find out about it right now yeah. and make you take it off. All right. Or take it down for you. So I, I think you're right. I, I, I think the technology's there to do that. It's just to, they have the will to do it. And by the way, I just looked up uh, real quick. It is legal to buy a bulletproof vest in Michigan. It is legal if you're not a convict. If you're not a convicted felon. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, they, there's the there's the technological capability to do all these things, but it's it's not being done. And and they keep talking, you know, about about having background checks on people. And I'm all for my, my, my suggestion, my solution. I told people this is that um, we should have a database. And if you have any of those disqualifying factors, then you should be denied access to a firearm. And your appeal would be to the court. You'd have judicial appeal. In other words, you got to give somebody due process, right? That's, that's the American way. If you do disagree with what law enforcement said, then go to the judge yeah and let the judge make the decision yeah you know um and i'm i'm good with that but but you know we just don't have a system like that and uh, i'm not i mean even though i was a police officer i'm 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 not um quote unquote a gun nut you know i i don't own a lot of firearms and mm-hmm. and then that just doesn't interest me so but, so charlie real quick i got a question this may be a dumb question but so are mur- most murders committed with illegal firearms, right? If you're saying unre, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're illegally possessed by somebody. Okay, else. okay, okay, okay. Gotcha. And, um, you know, they're talking about ghost guns. I think we talked about that last time. They're yeah. going to take those up. It, it it'll have an impact, but it's not a huge percentage. It's of those things. And, you know, the, the vast majority of murders um, in America, very few of them are stranger on stranger right. murders. Right. You know, they're mostly, People you know, you know. <laughs> domestic related or, Revenge. you know, drug related where they knew they all mm-hmm. knew each other and, and those kinds of, of things. And, I'm you know, but um, but yeah, and most, you know, bad guys, they don't register their guns, right. you know. They just don't do it, and they're not going to give them up. 
And, uh, you know, but when I started, when I started in law enforcement, um, it was unheard of that somebody had a, uh, used a semi-automatic, what we're calling quote unquote assault rifles, which is, you know, they're just semi-automatic rifles. It was, that was unheard of that those were, those were in use. We never encountered them. Mm. And during my career, we, we had a series of bank robberies where the, uh, bank robbers were armed with, uh, um, either AR-15s or, or uh, AK-47 type weapons. And then that's when we decided to, we would, we would arm our officers with that. Mm-hmm. We didn't have those weapons. We didn't have anything like that. Wow. We didn't need it. You know, you know, we were, but we, we came out gunned very quickly and um, something, something really changed. And those weapons, those style weapons have been around forever, but you know, they, they've almost got like a mystique about them now, you know, particularly um, in yeah. the circles of the drug trade and, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So, um, but I, I think there's some reasonable gun measures we could take that would, would, would help not going to eliminate the problem, mm-hmm. but so, would certainly help. Let me throw a question out there. So we've seen, we've talked about the mass shootings a little bit. Um, I know we, we, we kind of delved into the Grand Rapids thing um, with, the, with the police officer. who uh, uh, And I know we were, we were originally going to start talking about that. Um, where do you guys let – let me throw a question out to each one of you. Where do you think this all stems from? I mean, is it just hate in general, or do you think it's a uh, – I know Corey said he didn't he – you know, you can't really blame it all on mental health issues – but I mean, I think it's a a myriad of uh, both of those things, don't you? What do you think, Dave? I mean, what 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 is well, your well? Hate opinion? has always existed, right? Hate against people of color has sure. certainly always existed yeah. in this country. Uh, people have found ways to to kill others in the past. I think the stuff that Charlie's talking about is trying to it it doesn't get to the root of why people have this hatred, but at least potentially minimizes their capability of, of damage in, in a short amount of time. I, yeah. I don't know why people are, well, I, I'll tell you why, because, because I was thinking about this, but you know, we had talked about, you know, something after the protest riot, whatever you want sure. to call it, January 6th. Right. But, I, but honestly, if you go back to, and you probably know this, Scott, but it was in the 90s when they repealed the equal time law or whatever in broadcasting, where it used to be if you, in broadcasting, if you had a political person, let's say a, a Republican, you had to give equal right. time to the other side. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that allowed people to hear both sides of a story that now we don't have, and people just live in these echo chambers. And I think it's that kind of mentality. People, they don't hear the other side. They don't hear other people's opinion. And they can go and they can watch the news of their choice. They can go to the social media of their choice. Everything's algorithms now. They get fed all of it. just feeds their anger on both sides. I think that's why people are fired up. I, I could be wrong, but. What do you think, Cole? I, the Grand Rapids thing, I think, could have been prevented, obviously. I um, I just think that again, and I'm not saying mental health is not a an issue at all. It is. 
Well, it's not. It's not the big. It's there, but it's not yeah. the only thing. Yeah, it's not the only thing. Right. To me, as far as you know, the cops and you know, people of color, that's been the beginning of time. The KKK were the police <laughs> back when things all started. So that hasn't been throughout history. That that has to the stem. You have to start at the beginning. You have to get people that really care about people of color in the communities or cops of color. I just think that there's just bad people with power, period. I think there's just bad people and taught bad behavior with power. Well, let's let's talk about the Grand Rapids thing because I'm curious to you know, Charlie, your opinion, if you're able to give it on what happened there because there are videos that exist from cell phones and body cams mm-hmm. that show the person that was killed resisting arrest, mm-hmm. reaching for the officer's taser. We can debate whether he should have been pulled over. So my understanding of the story, and if you guys correct me if I, if I have any of this wrong, but this person was driving with in a car with a license plate that was not tied to that vehicle. The officer pulled him over. The person was resisting arrest. It became a struggle. The person was reaching for the officer's taser. How is a police officer supposed to deal with that in a way that doesn't result in the result that that happened in Grand Rapids? What's that officer supposed to do? I'm not justifying his behavior. I I don't know what they're supposed to do in that situation. In that situation. What do you think, Charles? Well, well. I'm not sure, you know, obviously to determine that the plate was improper on the vehicle, he had to run it through the computer. All right. So I am not, I have not heard a word about what led him to do that. You know, why he decided to do that. Um, Clearly now that we, we know more, you know, we find out little bits of information. I have a good friend, a retired law enforcement that made a great statement to me. He said, I, he says, I don't know what really happened, but I'm confident of this, that that morning, the victim of this shooting did not set out to get himself shot. And I'm confident that the police officer did not set out that morning to shoot a man. But what happened in the interceding time with, you know, their decisions that were made, he stopped him. I'm surprised there was nobody there to assist him. All right. You know, uh, before you lay your hands on somebody, uh, you know, then when he ran, you, you got to, you know, he left, there was somebody still in the vehicle when he ran. It's not uncommon for someone who's not wanted to run. And because the person, the other person with them is wanted or has a gun or has drugs in the car. And as the police officer runs away from your car, you, the, the guy escapes or he ditches the evidence, right? So, you know, I, I would think at that point he was going to be able, to, you know, there was a guy in the car. He was going to be able to identify who this this guy that ran was. Now that now we find out the guy's uh, blood alcohol content was 0.29, which is more than three times the legal limit in Michigan, which probably affected his decision making. You know, he'd been arrested for that before. He didn't want to go to jail. Um, great debate over whether taking a taser from somebody it justifies um, shooting. 
or uh, uh, or not. And um, you know, I can tell you at our uh, when we trained here at our police academy, the one that I was the director of, we did not train that that was an offense you could shoot if somebody took your taser. You put you in a bad position. Certainly, the the, the point that really sticks with me the most is pulling um, a weapon out and um, putting it to at, at someone's head is not police practice. So, yeah. Okay. That, yeah. Why not the back of the leg? Why not, yeah. you know, you're just trying well, to, you, you know, to disarm the guy you know, or to, yeah, that's, that's a disengage. great question. Yeah. You, you might, you might, you might pull your weapon out at some point if he's got your taser. Of course, the taser had been deployed. Okay. And the way a taser works, and the officer would have known this very well, is it has a cartridge in it. And when you pull the trigger on the taser, the, the cartridge fires out these number three, they're basically fish hooks. I think they're number three fish hooks that are straightened out, so they're not curved. And they have a probe, they have a, they have a barb at the end of them, and they have this uh, filament that, that ties, that goes with them and ties them to the weapon. And once they strike, it dis- and they make they, they ground themselves. They discharge. You can keep your finger on the trigger. It's only going to give them a certain number of a, a brief number of seconds jolt. It, it, you have to pull the trigger to get it to get. But that that cartridge is gone. It's not now. You could eject the cartridge, and you could p- actually place the taser against somebody and pull the trigger. And again, give them another jolt. But I'm not sure that the guy that he was wrestling with had, would had the square for all to do that. Um, so I think the taser, taser had already deployed. So basically, it, it it wasn't a it wasn't a threat. But at that point, his best option was to disengage and back off. If you want to draw your firearm, if you think he's going to come at you with the taser, that's a whole different ball game. But disengage from the guy. If you're going to arrest the guy, don't try to do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. Wait until you get sufficient assistance there so that something doesn't go terribly wrong. You know, our our philosophy was when I was in police work is that you brought sufficient force to bear in an arrest so that the suspect or subject felt would believe that mm-hmm. resistance was futile. So if you have two on one or three on one, the bad guy or the guy you're going to arrest is not necessarily a bad guy, but whoever it is right. is going to say, really, I might as well give up because they outnumber me. Right. Right. And um, that's that was our, our philosophy. So I'm not really sure what he was what he was thinking or what he was doing, whether he panicked. Um, I don't know what his history. I, I, I don't think he was um, complained about that much. Yeah. I don't know what his his history was. Um <clears throat> You know what his heart is, is about about black people. That's a great question, and and you know only he probably real he and people close to him really know what he really thinks. Right. But um, that that's hard to tell. Um, but in 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 terms of what's going to happen now is the prosecutor I saw today in the paper is bringing in some uh, some experts to to consult with him. And I can understand why, because the law allows a police officer to uh, use deadly force if the officer believes he's his he's in right. physical jeopardy, uh, he could be killed. So, 
you're allowed you're allowed to do that so now the question becomes what what would a, what if a reasonable person would have believed that they were in jeopardy of being killed then he can use deadly force right but the question is did he was it reasonable to believe that yeah and 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 i was going to point something out, is that people have to understand the criminal justice system the criminal law is very and we want it to be this way and it doesn't always work to our favor but sometimes it does. We want it to be very precise. We don't want it to be vague, right? So they can just invent things on people. We want it to be very, very specific. And the criminal law is very specific, but there's also federal law that the officer, if there was a civil rights violation, he, such as the Rodney uh, King thing out in Los Angeles, they were acquitted criminally but they were prosecuted federally for violating uh, his civil rights and they were convicted. So that, and they would, that'll be looked into. And then the third, like we always say, there's like the justice is like a three leg stool. Okay. There's the criminal, there's the federal civil rights. And the third leg is the civil case. Did the officer respond properly? Is he properly trained? Was he supervised? Were his actions proper? Could he have taken something else? And in that case, um, I, I would assume the, the, the police department and the officer are going to be found very civilly liable. I don't think there's any way around that. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a large sum of money. doesn't bring anybody's life back, but neither do any of the other uh, things. It charges them criminally. Nothing's going to bring this, this man's life back. Right. So, um, but, you know, those are the things. So, um, I just saw some things when I saw it that were very troubling. I, putting the, I never, ever, we never, ever train to put a gun to somebody's head. So with that, be, right. let me cut, Charlie, let me ask you. So I don't know him. I don't know the cop. I don't know the, the, the victim. You're the expert here. So you saw the video. Let me ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Would you have done what that officer done to the victim? I don't think oh, to what I've done, what he did to well, him. Yeah. No, no. I, I mean, I can tell you firsthand, you know, early in my career, I stopped a, a guy and made it, I made it, I made a huge mistake. And my huge mistake was he wouldn't give me his driver's license. And uh, he was argumentative. So I made the huge mistake of trying to arrest him by myself. Mm -hmm. That's a huge, that was an error on okay. my part. Okay. And he leaped from the car mm. and, and he grabbed my portable radio by the antenna and pulled it out of the holder and slammed it to the pavement, broke it. And then he grabbed my gun and started trying to get my gun out of my holster and screaming he was, he, he was going to shoot me and shoot him. And it was very incoherent back and forth. And uh, so I was trying to protect my weapon. We fell to the ground and... Um, it never entered my mind to get my gun out and kill him. Wow. It never entered my mind. It only entered my mind is to extract myself from this situation and get away from him. Uh, you know, and I was fortunate. I mean, you know, I was basically fighting with one hand, but I was fortunate that a citizen stopped and distracted him long enough that I could literally get my hands around his throat mm. and, when I did that, he, he fell off me, but my gun never left its holster. So no, I can't see that. Okay. Um, the whole situation was, I would, 
you know, I would have probably said, Hey, you know, get back, just get back in a car. We'll talk about this. I would have just gotten the radio and says, send, you know, send me a backup ASAP, yeah. you know, get, get me help here. When he fled on foot, I've heard people say they shouldn't have chased him. That was a tactical decision. I probably would have not, I, I don't know what I would have done at the moment, but certainly there were considerations there that they, that you left a guy in the car. You don't know if that guy had a gun. You don't know what's going on behind you. Yeah. And you're leaving, you're leaving this vehicle to chase the driver. Yeah. You don't know if the driver's really wanted the passenger. So you could make yeah. an argument. He should have just let the guy go. Yeah. I got one. Yeah. You know, I got the passenger. Got the pass- he knows right. who he was riding. Right. With. I can identify this guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can identify him. I might not have his name and the plate was improper. So the, probably the car doesn't register to him or the plate, but I've got it. I know who he, I, I can identify him and I've got his buddy in the car. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, probably didn't see this two days later. I think it was two or three days later in Sterling Heights had a similar situation. They tried to stop a car on Van Dyke. Mm-hmm. The car fled minor traffic violation, car fled, car went down a dead end street. Guy bailed out of the car and run, left mm-hmm. a passenger behind. The only difference here is there was more than one Sterling Heights police officer there. So one guy gave chase, mm-hmm. caught caught the guy. There was 6,000 fentanyl pills and fentanyl powder in the car. And mm-hmm. both the people were illegal, illegally in the country from Mexico delivering drugs. So there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know, I mean, you, you could put it, you could put, but, I watched, as a matter of fact, I, I just watched the Sterling Heights police. There's a video out there where they arrested a road rage, a couple mm-hmm. of guys at a road rage shooting. Yeah. And I watched the, why guys watch the video. It is textbook. It's like we teach them in the police academy. Mm-hmm. Everything was very calm and they had their guns out. These yeah. guys had shot up a car, yeah. you know, Yeah. but they were very much under control. Yeah. They controlled their, I don't know if you guys saw it, they controlled their verbiage. I remember. It was excellent. Yeah. Yeah, so. And that's why I so, asked you, you know, that, Charlie, that question. I did. I wasn't trying to be some smart no. aleck. I was just asking, maybe it comes down to training, you know, more intense, you know, training to, to or I don't know. I'm not the, I'm not a cop, but well, it maybe it comes, come down, it comes down to more of that. It comes down you to know. training. It comes, you know, there's a, it comes down to, it starts with the selection of who you're picking. Who you're, and I, I think, you know, I, I don't know if that was you that mentioned, you know, the, the, anima, the, the, the um, historical yeah. antagonism between law enforcement and uh, the black community. Mm-hmm. All right. And, um, and I always point out to people, do you know who gay, you know, you do understand that police officers don't do this on their own, that politicians send them out to do these things. Okay. It's something very interesting to remember. Okay. You're going to break up a riot. Politicians send you out to do that. Gotcha. All right. And but but nonetheless, it's been a very adversarial in in a lot of cases relationship. And we need to select officers that recognize this is the environment you police in. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that people will have these um, animosities or suspicions about you. And you have to have the emotional intelligence to deal with people. Yeah. It's a people job. When I, every, every, so how many, was there about 14 different recruit classes that I trained of police officers 
in my opening statement, and I reiterated this throughout the academy, is we are not the police of the white people or the black people or the Christians or the Jews or, or, or the Muslims or, or the Chaldeans or, or anybody else. We are the police of everybody. Everybody has the right to expect good, solid law enforcement. If you don't, if you can't accept that, you should head out the door right now and leave because you know you can't have you're, you 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 have to be literally be the umpire you have to have no sides right you have to call it down the middle and have no animosities towards people or any people group and if you do you shouldn't be a cop and we have to understand that and we have to police better which leads me to the questions why do you run the license plate right you know did you run the license plate because it was a car with two black guys in it and if you did that's wrong Flat out wrong. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's not illegal, but but it's it it certainly strikes me as being a bit unethical. And um, or was there something else? Did they commit a traffic violation? The guy was a point two nine BAC. Was he driving like a drunk driver? You know, right. and if he if he was, why you know why would you even bother to run the license plate at that point? Why would you just pull him over Don't for drunk over driving? That. Right. You know, so there's some there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of information that we don't have that we're not privy to yet. But okay. I guess back to the, the point, you know, I, I would like to think that I would not have handled it that way. Mm -hmm. And I think most police officers will look at that. It's most of us, you know, surprisingly enough. Um, I did. I haven't. I mean, I still have a lot of friends in the business and retired from the business. I do some consulting. And I've talked to people. I've never heard one police officer justify what Derek Chauvin did to George Floyd. Mm. And I don't care that George, you know, George Floyd was not the pillar of the community, but that doesn't matter. Right. This guy, this guy that got stopped in Grand Rapids, he had a he had he had his problems, right? Mm. Criminally. Mm -hmm. That doesn't matter. You know, I'm not going to impugn his character to defend something that's wrong. And, you know, we, we, you know, he still has rights and you still have the job to do. You know, the Minneapolis thing is just, I've never, I, and, I mean, you know, white police officers, black police officers, it's just wrong. Yeah. Everybody just tells you it's just wrong. I'd have never done that. Yeah, Charlie, what do you, you know, think about uh, these, these details coming out after the fact, his blood alcohol content level? being so high essentially these these details being leaked to the public to i would imagine sway public opinion because when i saw that article in the news come out about his blood alcohol level a lot of the comments were well good riddance the cop did society a favor getting this guy you know it it sways yeah. public perception do you think that's fair for the no, media to not, leak those not. details well you know I don't know. You know, I, 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 I'll support, I think that they should have the freedom to print the facts and that may help. And, but we have to be intelligent enough to realize that may explain why he ran. Okay. Yeah. But what, so what? Okay. Right. I mean, right. there are drunk drivers out there every day and you know why, you know, you know, it was, so what that, that didn't influence my opinion of, of the right or wrong of it to any degree at all. Right. I just, 
you know, but those things are going to come out his driving record and his past criminal history. Certainly when he got pulled over, um, he did not want to get arrested right. and that's why he was running. Okay. It was a simple case of he didn't want to be arrested. So the question becomes, what's the best way for the police to handle this? And was that the best way? And my initial reaction is not having all the facts or and everything, but my initial reaction is no, that probably was not the best way to handle that right. situation period. And, um, you know, it, you know, the backdrop of it is the racial aspect of it is not going to go away. We have to recognize it's not going to go away. It's been here. Um, you know, uh, and, you know, perceptions of law enforcement that go back to, you know, the days of segregation in the South where police were sent out to, to enforce, uh, you know, you know, separate, alleged separate but equal laws and Jim Crow and all of that, that stuff. Uh, that's all true. The police did it. I will say this, that there was a politician like the governor of Alabama at one time that was telling them and ordering them to do it. Um, so, you know, politicians don't seem to be, they don't accept any complicity in this, but they, they certainly share it. I'm not saying, you know, that the officers were right to do those things. Maybe they should have just said, no, I'm not going to do that and quit, yeah. you know, rather than, than treat people that way. But um, you have to, we have to recognize that's the environment we're policing in and we have to work. And if we're going to change the perception, we're going to have to do it by one interaction at a time. Charles, let me ask you, you know, a question. So for people like people of color that may you know may not be doing anything against the law they're just gun shy so to speak uh with uh law enforcement and let's say they get pulled over what is your suggestion like do you you know in in trying to ease what do you think do you think there should be like Things where, hey, you know, I'm, I, I'm not, I don't feel safe. Maybe I should just drive to the police department or drive to a safer area. But then you can, you know, then the police might think you're running. Is there any way that they can kind of, you know, I, I don't think those? that okay. I, I don't think any any police officer, if you're not fleeing at a high speed and taking evasive action, if you're driving to a well lit area, particularly. You know, women do that on the regular okay. for, for good reason, you know. Um, so there's a well-lit area or, or where there's a lot of people. I don't think that that's, you know, and, and you do so in a, in, a, in, a, in a responsible manner. You're not running. Right. You're not fleeing. You know, you're just finding the first available safe place to pull over. Uh, I think that that's good. You know, I've seen all the things about putting your hands on the wheels and everything. and um, You know, uh, I'm probably, you know, I'm probably not the one to talk about that because I never really, you know, I never really had a problem with anybody. Right. Um, oh, I had problems on traffic stops, but it was never, it was never, um, you know, um, a racial issue that caused it. It was, you know, I, I mean, it, I, I, I'm thinking back of, of all my incidents and it was usually angry white people that gave me a difficult time. To be really honest with you, most people that you interact with on the street uh, are 
they're very pleasant. I mean, they're very cooperative. I've had very few problems with people, but you know, the ones I did were not black people. It was, it was other people, you know? And, um, so I, I didn't, I didn't have that particular, you know, maybe the way I was raised or whatever my background is, I never had the, any sort of animosity. So I never really saw it that way. Um, but there, I, I'm kind of, I know there are officers when I started in the law enforcement, that was a common theme amongst older officers. There was a lot of uh, racial hatred. Now, that that just it seemed to go away more and more as time went on, and more you know, uh, more educated and uh, sophisticated officers came on the job younger, been had lived in multicultural environments and so on and so forth. Um, they were much, we didn't have those issues, but, um, you know, I've seen it and I'm not going to deny that it existed and it, it, it's created a huge problem for us. At the same time, I, I'm, I'm sure that people that live in uh, the black community, you know, they recognize they have, they are not defund the police people. They recognize they have a need for the police like we all do. Right. So, but they still have the, the, this certain amount of, uh, yeah, I guess it is fear sometimes or un, un, they're, they're, they're not comfortable um, when they get stopped by the police and they think it's it's going to go bad mm-hmm. and there's a possibility. And I can understand why they think that, you know, um, but it's incumbent upon it's really not incumbent upon the citizens. It's incumbent upon the police and the uh, the government to, to change those attitudes by the way we act and the things we do. You know, and by selecting the right kind of people to be cops and certainly demonizing them is not going to help us recruit uh, the right people to be police officers. You know, uh, you know, don't pay them well, you know, relax educational standards and so on are all going to be negatives for the profession. And um, so, you know, I I, and that thing in Grand Rapids is certainly bad from the onset but but compounded because of the of the racial element and understandably so you know but the community there i thought reacted very 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 uh properly i mean protest is 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 the american way you know and but they did so in in a reasonable fashion there was no violence that i heard of in grand rapids they let their feelings be known and they should do that you know so and um it's, it, you know, it can just be an uncomfortable topic to talk about sometimes, but that's the problem. We don't talk about it. I don't fall into that category that just immediately starts backing the police or immediately starts condemning the police. You know, um, that that gets back to what we were talking about. We're so polarized, you know, um, and therefore we never solve any problems because we're so polarized. Well, Charlie, I tell you, man, this has been a, a great topic of discussion, and uh, another, it is. I wish I'm, there were more. I wish we. Had, I wish I had answers. To I things, know. I, I wouldn't be sitting here tonight if I had them. I'd be doing something else for a living. <laughs> right. So, you know, but um, you know, uh, you know, I've 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 worked. You know, I worked in that business a long, long time, and I'm here to tell you that you know. Um, the people that I chose to associate with didn't, you know, they tried to do their job well and fairly. 
And when we encountered somebody that didn't, we got rid of them. You know, and I can distinctly remember a sergeant uh, riding with a guy who made a racist statement and the officer drove him back to the station and told the sergeant, he was a, he was a trainee, told the sergeant that, told him what he did and said, I will not ride with him. If you tell me I have to, I'm going to go home sick. And uh, the sergeant says, nope, I wouldn't do that. Sent the uh, rookie officer home, said tomorrow morning at eight o'clock, you should be sitting outside the police chief's office. And he was, and I fired him. Hmm. So, you know, it was just that simple. Those are the things you have to do. You know, you don't have to say, well, maybe he's having a bad day. Now, now he wasn't having a bad day. His comment was a glimpse that I always said it was a glimpse into his heart, you know, and, uh, we're not, we're not going to, we're not, we're not tolerating that. And you set that standard and people start to understand. So, you know, most of the officers I dealt with were just uh, stand up people. And uh, I think they need to be supported. And then when we do something wrong and bad, we need to be held accountable for it. Absolutely. All right. Well, Charles, I really appreciate you coming in on this first segment. Uh, we're going to say, we're going to bid adieu to our uh, wisdom app listeners. Uh, you can catch our next segment, uh, mu- another uh, music in common. We'll have the, uh, the Doc's prescriptions and, of course, a Get It Off Your Chest by Co. on the next segment. We're going to have Charlie stick around. But like I said, that's something the wisdom people will have to catch on Spotify. Tomorrow we'll have it uploaded. And, uh, yeah, I hope you guys loved it. We, we, we love, we see the listeners here. Uh, Great topic. Yeah. Jerkesia, Energy Lady, Katarina, Billy D's is on. Billy D. Williams? Billy D. Yeah. Billy D. Williams. Billy D. Williams. Yeah. Colt 45 time. Yeah. <laughs> right. There we go. <laughs> Nicola, Marcella, Stefan, Graciela, DeAndre Jackson. Dr. Rao is back on here. Yeah, I love to talk to that guy. He, 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 I, I, I listen to some of his stuff on there. So, Dr. Rao, anytime you want to come in and talk, I would love to talk with you, man. He's, come on he's in, a man. very interesting guy, too. Derek Taylor, Marion Sensei, Matthew, there's so many on here. We, we really appreciate you listening tonight. You can catch the rest of the Cohen Bro Opinion Show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Cast, anywhere you like to uh, listen to your podcast. Right, yeah. And uh, we'll be back next week for sure, live. And uh, it was good to have uh, my boys back with me. Yeah. The Doc. Good to be back. And Nicole, the big go. So we will talk to you, wisdom people, next time on the Cohen Bro Opinion Show. Are you looking for a reliable tax preparer for all of your personal and business taxes? Well, look no further than the newest sponsor of the Cohen Bro Opinion Show, Fulton Core Services. That's right. Get your taxes done the right way, professionally. Call Taz Fulton today at 248-483-0529. That's right, 248 248- 483-0529 or DM them on the gram at Fulton Core Services. Get back what's coming to you. Get Fulton Core Services.
Are you looking for exclusive designs that grow as your kids grow? How about hand-picked and timeless with every piece that celebrates the simplicity and sophistication which should always exist in children's fashion? Well, Parker Lane is dedicated to every parent who yearns to fill their little one's wardrobe with thoughtful and appropriate fluid fashion. They're there to dismantle the belief that your children should be defined by characters, colors, and limiting styles, so they thrive in the details, give more with less, and create consistent looks that will stand the test of time. For Parker Lane clothing and every child getting dressed and getting prepared to share their brilliance with the world. I am me, we are us, Parker Lane clothing. Check them out today at parkerlaneclothing.com. <laughs> 